Uh, Our reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, and verse 27 on page 999. Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers round him. They stripped him and put a scarlet, scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Jesus had already been mocked. He had been mocked by his Jewish enemies when he was interrogated by the Sanhedrin and declared guilty of blasphemy. We read in the previous chapter, Verse 67, then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Mockingly, they addressed him as Messiah and they mocked with their demand to prophesy which of them had hit him. Mark's gospel explains that they had blindfolded Jesus. Now, Gentiles had their opportunity as Jesus was escorted to the governor's palace. I hope that from these few verses, we will truly understand, as best we can, the pain inflicted upon Jesus, both physically and by their mocking and taunting, and that we will be renewed in our wonder that Jesus would endure this for us. We read that the whole company of soldiers was gathered to join in and be entertained by the mocking that they would witness. An entire company of soldiers would have been 600, but I guess not all would have been around on duty that time. These would be men recruited from surrounding areas, notably from Syria and possibly Samaria, all having an intense hatred for Jewish people. This was a unique opportunity for them to pour out that hatred to someone claiming to be a king of the Jews. That claim apart, it is unlikely that they knew anything about Jesus. So how did they make fun of him? First, they stripped him. His body would be carrying the scars of the flogging he had just received. His clothing would now be soaked in blood and clinging to his skin. And unless removed with that greatest care and gentleness, the pain would be excruciating. Can you imagine any of those soldiers acting like the most gentle of nurses attending to a patient? Nor can I. The clothes would have been torn off, perhaps with bits of flesh coming off with it. But it was the nakedness in public that would have been even more horrific for Jesus. For Jews at that time, nothing was more embarrassing and nothing more shaming than being publicly naked. 
And apart from the shame, the outbursts of taunts and crude jokes and mocking from the onlooking soldiers would have intensified Jesus' embarrassment. And then they put a scarlet robe on him. Was it out of pity for Jesus? Had they regretted stripping him naked? Of course not. It was essential for the mock coronation that was about to take place. The purple robe worn by kings was a symbol of royalty. The robe given to Jesus would have been a poor imitation, almost certainly a faded garment from one of the soldiers. But it was good enough for their purpose. And now for the crown of thorns to enhance the mocking of Jesus as a king, but with the opportunity of inflicting further pain. There were several varieties of plants bearing thorns, and no doubt the sharpest and longest thorns, up to two inches long, would have been selected. With the inevitable drawing of blood and intense pain, as the crown was not simply laid upon Jesus' head, but thrust upon it and into it, One more thing was needed before they could carry out the ultimate taunt of bowing down to Jesus when on his throne you would expect a king to be holding a scepter. And so Jesus was given a staff as a mock scepter, entirely appropriate, they thought, for someone who was pretending to be a king. And now the mocking could really begin. They knelt in front of him and cried out with a taunt, Hail! King of the Jews. They go through the whole charade of worship, raising their hands and bowing down. And as they did so, some spat on him, probably in his face, just as the Jews had. Whether or not that is true, spitting showed that they really did despise Jesus. To fulfil the prophecy given to Isaiah, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Spitting was one of the most grievous insults that you could give, and for a Jew to be spat upon by a Gentile was even more insulting and humiliating. And again, the soldiers do not miss the opportunity to inflict physical pain. They use the staff to repeatedly strike the Son of God on the head. And when they finally decide that they've had sufficient entertainment, they remove the robe, return his own clothes, and lead him away to be crucified. What an irony. Jesus was a king, and when he returns, he will be acknowledged as the king of kings and as lord. Then every knee will bow before him, and not one tongue will mock him. When we read this account of the mockery that Jesus had to endure alongside the physical torture, and when we consider its purpose to carry the penalty for our sins, then it's no surprise that Jesus felt as he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. His soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And it's no surprise that he prayed as he did My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. 
What do we read of Jesus' reaction to this episode of mockery? Nothing. He held his silence. As Peter later wrote, Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. It was out of obedience to his father that Jesus was willing to endure all the pain and all the mockery, patiently and silently. That was Jesus' response to the mockery he encountered. What should be our response to what Jesus encountered? Not to remain silent when we hear others mocking Jesus or his followers. Amazingly, I, just this morning I came across some words of J.C. Ryle totally unrelated to the crucifixion, but still appropriate to this episode. And I'd like to finish with them. Do we try, however feebly, to set forward the cause of Christ on earth, to check that which is evil and promote that which is good? If we do, let us never be ashamed of doing it with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Whatsoever our hand finds to do for the souls of others, let us do it with all our might. The world, perhaps even some within our own families, may mock and sneer and ridicule and think we are extreme. Let us work on unmoved. Whatever people may say and think, we are walking in the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us take comfort in the thought that he never changes. High in heaven at God's right hand, Jesus still delights to save sinners and still approves zeal and labour in the cause of God. The work of evangelists and of evangelism may be despised and ridiculed, but while man is mocking, Christ is well pleased, for he who is mocked is the same yesterday and today and forever. We close. Father God, please remove from us all fear of being ridiculed or mocked for being followers of Jesus and for speaking of him. We thank you that Jesus was willing to bear the shame of his nakedness so that we who believe on his name might be clothed in his righteousness. Amen. <laughs>